Hello everyone, this is Thomas, one of the co-creators of the Japan Archives. Just a quick thing before you get into these first few episodes of our podcast. We're a few months into making this show now. I am recording this particular bit in January 2020, many months after our first episode has aired. And Heather and myself just want to say that if you want to see if this podcast is for you, if the editing, storytelling and sound quality is enough to keep you around, then perhaps skip ahead to our most recent episodes to see where we are at and then work your way backwards. Of course, if you don't wish to do that, that's all good. Just be gentle with our episodes until our most recent ones in January 2020. We've come a long way and have made many improvements. So if you listen to these first few and think it might not be good enough for your ears, go on. Perhaps skip ahead to our most recent. Anyway, guys, that's enough from me. On with the show. Hey guys, welcome back to the Japan Archives. We're a podcast where we take bite-sized pieces of Japanese history to bring to you every two weeks. We're going to try to keep this a very casual podcast as we go through the varying topics and Heather, as always, can stop me at any point to ask any questions if she has them. I'm your host, Thomas. I'm your co-host, Heather. I'm going to be reading the poem at the end of the podcast and sharing information about the poet. I'm working on my Japanese pronunciation, so please be kind. So, how are you today, Heather, anyway? I am fantastic. How about yourself? I'm pretty good. We had an earthquake today at school,、oh. which was interesting. Oh, how bad was it?、Uh, it was 5.1 off the coast, but by the time it got to us, it was a 4. It's the first time I've had an earthquake whilst teaching a lesson. So, I had the fun thing of getting all the students under their desks as we waited for the earthquake to pass, which was very interesting. We were on the top floor of the building, so、oh. it was very, very shaky. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get that really, really creepy alarm、um, klaxon? The really creepy one that I can't stand? No, we didn't have that. Okay, it,、uh, the earthquake, it, I think everything shook for about 20 seconds, but then it was over. It calmed down. We, could, we got back to the lesson eventually once we'd calmed the kids down and they got up from their desks. Yeah, first time for me at a school. That was fun. Wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm glad you guys are okay. I'm glad that wasn't. Yeah, of、uh, course. Thank you. Have you, had,、yeah. have you had any where you live since you moved? Ah, so the lovely, lovely, lovely thing about the area I live in currently, there's no earthquakes here. Ever? No. I'm living in the wrong place then, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, I, I was very happy surprised when、uh, I was told that. I'm like, really? Because that, that, that little klaxon is so scary.、Um, there was. Oh, is it? Like last week, there was a really bad earthquake in, in northern Japan. And、um, I got the alarm on the TV, and that scared me, even though I know there's no earthquakes here. But that alarm,、yeah. I was ready to duck under the, the couch or something. But <laughs> yeah, I don't, I do not miss the earthquakes. I don't. That's, it's very interesting. You get used to them, but it's still, well, it's a little, it's a little scary.、Mm, yeah, definitely is. Um, but anyway, so today I wanted to talk to you about a samurai from Japanese history. Like all the other episodes we've had so far, they've kind of been based on mythology and the supernatural. So I wanted to go a bit 
more towards a factual story, but there are still some supernatural elements to this guy, even though he was a factual person. So let's get into that if you're ready. I am ready, that sounds exciting. From the research I've got, there's not actually much... Well, there's not much that's been translated into English about him. I found a lot of stuff online that's in Japanese, but I can't read Japanese that well yet. But luckily, I found one book that actually tells a little bit about his life. So that's mostly what I'm basing today's episode on. Um, so the samurai was known as, bear with my Japanese, Tsunokuma Sekiso. During his lifetime, he was a renowned samurai living on the island of Kyushu, and he was a vassal for the warlord Otomo Sorin, part of the Otomo clan that lived on the island of Kyushu. So Sekiso okay. was 1578, and throughout his career under Lord Otomo, he was known to have had certain supernatural abilities that helped him and his warlord to win a lot of their battles throughout the time that they were alive. So I have a question. Okay. He's lived until 1578. So what period of Japanese history is that? So Japan, like most countries, is split into like different eras. Like in England, you have the Tudor, the medieval, things like that. In Japan, 1578 would fall into the period called the Azuchi Momoyama period, which only lasted 30 years before it oh. changed and became the Edo period, which lasted a lot longer and lasted for over 250 years. So it was a very, very short period in Japanese history. I see. Thank you. So Sekiso fought by his lord's side for many, many years, but the supernatural element to this man was that he was well known to be able to predict, summon, as well as control weather in battle. His most favorite weapon of choice being a giant whirlwind which he could summon down and attack their foes on the battlefield. But of course, it wasn't as simple as that. According to the traditions, the whirlwind itself was full of wakizashi sword blades. Okay, what is wakizashi? So a wakizashi blade would be something that is between 30 and centimeters long. Now, the ones that were on the longer side, which were almost the length of a katana, were known as o wakizashi, the o being the Japanese for big or large. And the ones that were smaller in length, closer to a tanto blade, were called ko wakizashi. Ko being the Japanese word for small or little. Most people would probably recognize these blades in pictures if you saw them, because it was one of the two blades that samurai were known to carry. The wakizashi as well as the katana, with the wakizashi being the smaller of the two blades. Now, should a samurai wear both of them at once, they were collectively known as a daisho. The daisho translating as big little. So the katana was the big sword of the two, and the wakizashi was known as the little or the companion sword. Thank you. So the years go by with Sekiso serving his lord, using his powers to successfully predict the turnout of their battles in the future, as well as tearing apart their enemies. But obviously, this all had to come to an end. Eventually, their luck changed. The year 1578 rolls around, and there is a battle that will soon come, a battle which becomes known as the Battle of Mimikawa. So the battle is soon to happen, but for Sekiso at least, not everything feels as it should. And because we have, as we've just said, he had the ability to predict whether a battle would be won or lost. And his prediction for the battle to come is that they are going to lose. And throughout the years, 
his lord, Lord Otomo, has always listened to him and taken his advice, which is why they've been so successful. But now he decides that he no longer believes in the words of Sekiso because at the time he has converted to Christianity, which first arrived in Japan on the island of Kyushu. So Otomo has converted to Christianity and now shuns the old Shinto rituals, which is what Sekiso was doing in his predictions of the battles to come. And Otomo now believed that with God on his side, he would naturally win in any of the battles to come. Sekizo tries to protest, of course, telling him that he would be defeated, that he shouldn't go on with the battle. But the Christian missionaries who are now with Otomo are talking in his ear, telling him that God would provide for him and that his faith would lead him to victory. And so with that in mind, he went ahead into the battle. So obviously the battle begins and Sekizo's predictions come true. And despite his best efforts, no out using his supernatural powers to try and kill his foes, the battle turned out to be a complete and utter failure. Now, Otomo did survive the battle, however, Sekiso died, and like I said, there's not much else I currently know about this samurai, and that is actually all I know for now. So it was kind of a short episode for me today. I hope that was okay, I hope it was still interesting for you. <laughs> I feel so bad for Sekiso. It's like he, he stayed faithful. It's like, okay, you know what? You don't believe me, but I'm still going to go with you and I'm going to try my best. Oh, it's beautiful. That's sad. Oh, poor Sekiso. Well, exactly. I don't know what I would do in the same circumstances, whether I would just be like, you're not going to listen to me. I'm checking out. I'm going. I'm off. But obviously, Sekiso has a lot more. What's the word I'm looking for here, Heather? He has, gumption, more, but... he has a lot more. He has a lot more commitment or gumption to the person he's serving, and he he's decided he'll stick by him no matter what, even though he knows it's going to end badly. Faithfulness. He is faithful. Faithfulness. To his Lord that to the is end. the word. Yes, faithful right until the bitter end. I think that's that's very beautiful, and I think it's very honorable of him. Ready to talk about the poem? I am ready because sometimes I have an inkling about what we'll talk about with these poems. Or at the very least, I know the name. Um, but today, this is actually one that's completely new to me. So I'm very excited to hear it and learn about it. Wow. So what what is the theme of the poem today? Is there a theme? There is a theme. Okay. And the theme is, uh, well, actually, Happy Summer, Thomas. I think that yesterday was the first day of summer. Was it? I think so. Uh, okay. or that's news to me, day- so thank you for letting me know. <laughs> Well, the, the first day of summer happened recently, uh, okay. anyway, so I didn't need to the exact day. But since it's summertime, a very nice way to start summer is fireflies. In Japan, fireflies start around the beginning of summertime. Okay, so, so oh no, go on. Do you want to read the poem first, or would hmm. you be interested in answering some of my questions about fireflies? Oh, please go ahead with the questions on fireflies. So I've come up with three questions okay. for fireflies in Japan. So the first one I would, I'm kind of interested in is, are there any places in Japan that are famous for fireflies? There actually are quite a few places for fireflies. Um, I'm going to put a nice little plug-in for Chiba, which was my home previously. Uh, there's a really nice fireworks, uh, not fireworks, there's a really nice <laughs> firefly festival that's held in 
June, and it's in near the mountains, in the mountains of um, Kimitsu. That is a fairly popular one in Chiba. There is also a spot in Guma, which is a little bit north of Tokyo. There's places around Tokyo as well. Tokyo is really, really, really big and encompasses a lot of areas. Um, also Saitama, which is right next to Tokyo. There is also a firefly village that I think is in, I think it's Nagoya. Um, no, Nagano, excuse me, it's in Nagano. So those are probably some of the more famous places for fireflies. So in these places, are there certain environments they live in? Like obviously, at least around here, it's frog season right now. All the rice fields are now <laughs> full of water. So all the frog spawn is around and there's frogs appearing left, right and center. Is that some similar for fireflies? Like do they need water? Do they, I'm, I don't know where they live. So the interesting thing about fireflies in Japan is they do need to have certain conditions. Um, one thing is quiet, um, another is clean water. So they actually have to have fairly pure water to be able to um, have babies, um, to have their larvae and to actually spawn. So they do have to have that clean water, quiet environment. So it's sometimes a little more difficult to find them. I know um, where I'm from in North Carolina, we saw fireflies in June, like everywhere. There were fireflies everywhere. They didn't have to have like that specific conditions because we weren't near water, but here they do have to have that water source. Fireflies here also last a very, very short time. So it's usually about a couple of weeks. And right now, I think in around Chiba, it's like mid-June to late June. Uh, that's when you'll see them. In Western Japan, it's a little bit earlier. And then up towards the you know, Northern Japan, it's I think towards July. So it's a very short window of time you can actually see them too. Okay. Well, you already answered my third question. Ooh, what's that? <laughs> I was going to ask you how long Firefly season was, but you just answered my question. So It's about two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so I have no more questions for you. If you're ready to read the poem, then I am all ears. I am ready. So I picked this poem. This is from a book that I absolutely adore. Um, I'm learning Japanese. I've been learning it for a few years. And the book I'm reading from, and this is a, a shameless plug for this book, um, I don't get any money, but I think it's really amazing, so I'm going to recommend it. It's called Wadaiko, and it's an introduction to the sounds and rhythms of Japanese. And it's got a lot of poems and tongue twisters, and it's phenomenal just to work on your pronunciation. So the poem I'm choosing is actually a children's song, and I don't have an author. The author is unknown. The title is called Hotaru Koi, and Hotaru is Firefly. So the hotaru would be firefly, like you said. So what would the last week Koi, did you say? Koi. 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 Okay. Koi. So what like, would koi mean in English? Like come. Okay, so like come fireflies. Okay. Yes. Oh, oh, hotaru koi, achi no mizu wa nigai zo. So the English translation is Fly, fly, firefly come. The water over there tastes bitter. The water over here tastes sweeter. Fly, fly, firefly come. I actually think that's quite a sweet poem. It, and it's actually, a, it's a song too. Also, there's lots of different versions of this. The one I have is from Wadaiko, but it looks like there are other versions online as well. 
So longer, I think longer ones, um, and maybe actually several verses. Need to do more more research into it, but quite fascinating for such tiny little poem. A very fitting for the time in Japan right now. Thank you. So yeah, actually, you mentioned the frogs.、Um, yes, I live near a lot of rice fields now, and the frogs are quite loud. And I've heard about three different kinds of frog calls. So. I think I've been able to identify at least three different kinds of frogs, and I definitely are... prefer.、Uh, sorry, I definitely prefer frog season to the cicada season, which will soon come after frog season. I'm not looking forward to that. They are quite loud. They're very loud, and it goes on for so long. I, I like the cicadas though, and I like the little cicada shells. It's it's kind of fun to go and find them in the park. I. I I do like that. Well, at least one of us does. <laughs> <laughs> and they're the the ones I saw at least in Shiba are so much bigger than the ones I would see in the U.S. They are really large. Oh, really?、Mm, yes, like they're at least. Oh, sorry, I'm going to go、um, non-metric. So it seems about like two inches or so. It, maybe it's just my my memory. They're bigger than they are, but they're, they're quite large. I don't remember them being that large in the U.S. Okay. Yeah, cicadas are coming, but you do know when summer's ending because there's fewer and fewer cicada sounds, and it it does get kind of wistful and sad toward the end of summer when you、That's、don't. That's true. Like it gets quieter, you know, summer's coming to an end, and that the trees will soon start changing color. So yeah, it, Japan has a lot of ways of showing you when one season's ending and another's beginning, which which is always nice. I find. This is true that well, definitely for summer, like the, the cold noodles, like you can see all of the cold noodle packaging and the, the commercials on TV. All the cold noodles are out now, and the、um, fans, the sensol、um, mm. little fans, and everything are available. I get a free fan from a store recently. Oh,、um, nice! So, and the matsuris will start soon too, and fireworks. Oh、so. yes, I watched the fireworks last year in where I am. Um, they were very interesting. They were very fun. The fireworks in Japan are are just amazing. They're so、mm, they beautiful,、are. and they last so they last so long. It's sometimes forty five minutes to an hour and a half. Hmm. Yeah, it is. It is definitely a long show, but definitely worth going to because you have all the stalls with all the food, and you get there early, set up your little area that you claim for the festival. Definitely worth going to and seeing. Okay, favorite Matsuri food. My favorite Matsuri food. I'll be honest. Last year, out of everything, they had amazing buttery jacket potatoes at the festival. They were like the softest and creamiest potatoes I've ever eaten. They were beautiful. It's not very Japanese, I know that, but I, they were just so good. I I couldn't find anything wrong with these potatoes. <laughs> Those potatoes are magical. I、oh. completely agree with you. What about you?、Mm, favorite? Oh, that's so tough because usually、uh, taiyaki and yakisoba are probably my two go-to foods for matsuri, and the taiyaki, the red bean taiyaki. You see, I've never been that keen on the red bean stuff. I don't know、uh, what it is. There's just something about it that I don't enjoy.、Uh, you're not alone. Actually, a lot of my friends here don't. Often like the red beans, but the more you just keep, I would recommend keep trying it, and you'll discover the magic. It's really good. It's really really good. And maybe try. I think it's subuan, 
which is the smooth red bean paste. It doesn't have the um, the skin from the bean in it. It's just, just the paste. So I look for like the smooth red beans and you might like that better. It might be your gateway red bean. My gateway red bean, okay. <laughs> your I'll, gateway red bean. <laughs> I'll take your advice and I'll try it and I'll get back to you. <laughs> please do, please do. And if not, give me all your taiyaki and I will take care of it for you. No problem. Okay, sounds good to me. But I think that's gonna about do it for us for this episode. What do you think, Heather? Do you have anything else to add or...? I would say, um, Otsukari-sama, Sekiso. Well, he definitely did try his hardest despite everything he said falling on deaf ears. Um, so yes, Sekiso, thank you very much for everything you did, even if ultimately your lord did not wish to listen to you. And thank you, Thomas. Thank you for a nice new history lesson. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. I'm sorry it was shorter than previous episodes, but like I said, there's not much to go on with this man maybe in time we'll be able to learn something more about him we can do a part two for Sekiso we never know we'll have to just wait and see what happens in the future but yeah thank you for the poem themed for the summer and it was very interesting but yeah that's gonna about do it for today I think we hope you enjoyed the episode as ever if you want to learn more about Japanese history you can head over to our website which is historyofjapan.co.uk we're trying to build an online database about Japanese history and we try to add a few pages every day if we can uh, you can also find us on Twitter we have a Twitter now and you can follow us at a history of Japan that's everything from me uh, Heather anything else to add Happy summer and matane. Okay, guys, speak to you next time. Bye.